We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. Transformative Principal, episode 206. In this episode, I'm interviewing Mary Wagner, the superintendent of Sitka Schools, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with her. Welcome to Transformative Principle, episode 206. I am so excited to have Mary Wagner, the uh, superintendent of, is it Sitka Schools? That's correct. Oh, good. I, I drew a blank as soon as I started talking, which I always <laughs> do when I start. So welcome, Mary. I'm excited to talk with you and thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Jethro. It's wonderful to be here and hello, everyone. Well, I originally, um, I've been following you for a while on Twitter and been hearing about your exploits throughout the state from other people who are impressed with the work that you're doing down there in Sitka. And can you talk a little bit first about your district and what makes you guys unique compared to other districts, perhaps? Yeah, I would love to. So we are a city district. We serve just the uh, community, the Sitka uh, borough, and which consists of the city of Sitka. Uh, there are a couple outlying communities, but they, they're not involved in, in our work in the district. And so we have 14 miles of road end to end, and we have a real community feeling here where uh, we live on the rock at the edge of the ocean, and we really know what matters, and that's our students and the future of Sitka. So we have about 35% free and reduced. We are just under 100 students at each grade level on average. 
So we're just uh, 1,250, 60, we're still uh, counting our students. Students, um, we have, uh, we had two uh, national merit finalists last year wow. in a graduating class of about 80. Uh, we just won regions in both boys and girls cross country. We're the current baseball state holder. So for a small community, we really know excellence. Uh, and and we have wonderful community partners. And I think that is part of what makes us unique. Uh, we have the Sitka Tribe of Alaska, which is involved in almost all of our, our initiatives. We have the Sitka Sound Science Center, the Sitka Conservation Society, uh, the Sitka Fine Arts Camp, Island Institute. We have so many resources that come to us and say, uh, Sitkins Against Family Violence, that come to us and say, how can we help you uh, serve our students? And it, uh, just uh, under a third of our staff are our graduates, and 65 or so percent of the elected officials that represent Sitka here locally and in Juneau are also our graduates. So we have a real strong dedication to our wonderful community. Yeah, you know, the, one of the things about Alaska and especially small communities is the idea of kids getting an education, growing up, and then leaving and not sticking around. What are some of the challenges that you're facing there with your community with that? And how are you, you mentioned the future of Sitka is important. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, we have some amazing students and we have amazing families and an amazing community. So it's not surprising that we have students who are accomplished and poised. We have a senior in high school who is running for a seat on the school board um, and running unopposed for a seat on the school board. That says a lot about the character of the student and the community. And so when you think about people leaving, you don't want them to leave. And yet they want you want them to go out and see the world and to make sure that they're able to contribute to the world wherever they find that uh, for them. But it is, um, I, I would say that there's a drawback to Sitka for a lot of people because it is this really special, magical place. We're called the Paris of the Pacific. And I think that is because of our wonderful arts uh, scene that we have here. So we have a number of people who live out of town, but still come back on a regular basis to be part of annual events that happen in Sitka. But I think the it's less about really wanting people to stay and more about wanting people to be full and realize civically engaged individuals who are making a difference in their world, wherever that may be. And they take a little bit of Sitka with them when they do that. And quite often they return. I'm one example of that. I was here as a teacher for five years, was gone for a decade. And now this is my eighth year back. Wow. Yeah, I, I like that approach of not so much of wanting to keep them there. It it sounds like the idea is more of a we have great things here and we have a sustainable way of life here in Sitka. And so people will come, people will go, 
but the reality is, is, is Sitka can live on. And it's not like some other uh, areas in Alaska where it, you know, mostly the people who are living there are, you know, the people who have lived there for generations and their population is, is dwindling. And I've talked with a couple of leaders in those areas where that's, that's a real challenge that, you know, the families don't want their kids to be educated because then they'll go live on the cash economy and not, you know, continue the subsistence way of life. And it sounds like uh, you guys have a much different approach that, you know, people will be back and that there is a future for Sitka, regardless of whether kids stay or go, because it's such a magical place. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, we are a destination. There's no road system here. Are you? Um, but it, it's a place that everybody wants to come. And with our rich history that we have here, it's really uh, an enticing place to be. Beautiful in people, in landscape, in in so much. Yeah. So one of the things that I do want to talk about is what you said in one of our conference calls a few weeks ago was that on the first day of school, you visited every single classroom in your district. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what that looked like and, and how you make that happen? You bet. It is a priority for me that teachers know that we are in this together, that we each have different jobs to do, but that I understand uh, their challenges and their successes and I'm there to help. My job is to help them do amazing work with students. And and so I do that. And twice a year, I go to every single classroom in the district on the first day of school for that uh, grade level. Kindergarten and preschool start later. So I, I go on those days uh, that are relevant for those grade levels and on Teacher Appreciation Week. I just go around and I just say thank you for being a teacher in the district or have a great year or whatever the context is. Then during the year, I pick different areas of focus. So, for example, last year it was social studies in the fall, science in the spring. This year it's art, music, and PE in the fall, and it'll be career and technical uh, education in the spring. And I work with the teachers that teach in those content areas, K-12, and my goal is to understand the K-12 curriculum in the different uh, disciplines. And so I work with the teachers. They know when I'm coming in. They pick the day. I'm not surprised. Here I am. (laughs) They invite me in. I do one a week and I watch a class session and interact with students and then Uh, I spend about 15 or 20 minutes at some point in time that week with that teacher to learn more about what we can do to improve our curriculum, what we're doing well, and just more understanding the whole of the curriculum that I'm not able to see in that one session. And then every Friday, I have an internal newsletter that I call Superintendent Spotlight, and it has two articles. One is... Uh, general information for the district that I want people to understand, things that we're doing that they may not know about, like school board goal setting or whatever the topic is. And the other article is This Week I Saw, and I share with the whole district, what did I see this week when I was in this teacher's classroom? And then collectively, by the end of the, the fall or the, the spring semesters, I'm uh, I do a summary of what I've learned. And it's really 
helped the teachers to to really work collaboratively with the teachers to improve our our instructional practices just by me better understanding their challenges and their um, opportunities. So that's pretty important to me that that there be good good quality interaction as well as that every teacher knows because that I'm not getting to every teacher this year this way, but the interaction I'm having is very deep and real. Uh, and it's it's important that we work together on things. Yeah, absolutely. And being able to give some kudos to the teachers whose classrooms you do go into, I'm sure is a, you know, a powerful thing for them to be excited about what they're showcasing and for you to be able to to share that with others. Exactly. It's a true, it's a real pleasure to be able to do that and for everybody to see the quality teachers that we do have. I found out that my first year when I was a superintendent and I was assistant superintendent for four years, and now this is my fourth year superintendent. When I would go to classes, the instruction would stop Right during the school year, the regular school day. I wanted to get out to classes on a weekly basis and the instruction would stop. And that is the last thing I want to have happen. And so teachers were too worried. Oh, the superintendent's in the room. Or do I introduce you? Do I not introduce you? And so I just found that this is a better way to have quality interaction with students and teachers uh, in a way that that enhances the instruction instead of stopping the instruction. Yeah. And what you said earlier about you, you go to work with the teachers is, I believe, how you phrase that. And that is a really powerful message of this is what is important is doing this work together, not just coming in to do an observation evaluation, but to actually work with them and and do that. And I imagine that you can do that because you have, you know, less than 1,300 students. So you're not so big that you're so disconnected from the teachers and the students. Talk about that small approach that that really benefits that. Yeah. So I was in Anchorage and I was the supervisor of the elementary side of the educational technology department when we had almost 40 staff. And I was um, working very closely with the curriculum department. We did joint professional learning for a year. My direct report in the Anchorage School District was the assistant superintendent of instruction. And I love that. I had great experiences in Anchorage, and I learned so much about all of the different areas associated with the uh, operation of a public school district, which helps me do my job today. But when I came back to Sitka and when we were learning about the new English language arts and math standards, I was able to pull every single secondary teacher who teaches that content area one elementary teacher to represent that content area for each grade level. And the total team was less than 15. Yeah. (laughs) So as I reflect on the difference between my time in Anchorage, when that would not have been even possible to hear where you can really, I have 120 uh, certificated staff, so I can really work with each and every one. And it has already made such a big difference uh, in the support and the instruction in the different content areas. For example, last year when I studied social studies, I really saw how dedicated access to 
a device for each student in the classroom was really critical in order for our social studies teachers to be able to really be timely and relevant and to access the world of information. So we now are in a process to get each of the secondary social studies teachers a dedicated laptop cart for them to use. And and um, that would not have happened had I not been able to go out and, and to do this. And that's afforded through the size of our of our district. Yeah. You know, there are some high schools that have that many staff members or more. And what's important to know is that I'm sure there are a lot of other things you could be doing besides going into the classrooms and working with those teachers and students. But you've made that a priority and part of your leadership. And it doesn't mean that the other things necessarily go away, but I'm sure there are some things that have stopped becoming an issue because you're in classrooms on a regular basis. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, Yeah. So you're right. The job doesn't go away, but it is a priority. And I view the number one job, my number one job, is that of really understanding what the needs are and being able to represent that not only to the community, but to the legislature and to the greater world. And I can't do that if I'm not ground truth. I'm sorry, I lost track of your question. I had a thought and then I lost it. No problem. We're talking about how your work changes as a superintendent because you are focused on the classroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when I think about what goes away is during budget time, um, there used to be a lot of angst during the budget time. You know, who's going to get cut? Who's not going to get cut? Or what program might be going? We are in a, a, a declining revenue in Sitka because of some citywide economic challenges. And we, of course, the, the state of the finances for public schools has gone down in Alaska with our oil uh, situation. And so it's really used to be very divisive. And it used to be that the teachers would come out in droves to protest during public hearing, don't cut this, don't cut this, don't cut this. Well, we actually instituted last year a brand new budgeting process. And this is based on the board's direction. Um, we went from a line item budget where everything is shared by line item and account code, but there was no context to it. So although it was 100% transparent, it had no meaning. So it had zero transparency to anybody in the district or anybody in the community. And there really wasn't really good, meaningful dialogue around what do we do with limited resources? How do we continue to do what's best for our students, even if it means not doing the same thing that we did last year, but we leverage our resources in a new way? And what we do now is we look at trend data and we look at the the resources that each school has or each department has. And then we look at staffing, we look at other variables that, that go into feed that school or department. And then we're looking at three years of trend data and we're really giving some context around the numbers. So what we found is when we're partnering in very real and meaningful ways with our teachers, whether it be me going into the classroom to really understand what they're teaching and how to how I can best support them, or whether it's budget times and we're working together to figure out how best to use our limited resources to maximize the benefit for our students, um, it's a collaborative process. And I'm not saying that it's perfect, but I'm saying that it is changed from 
you need to hear what I'm saying to how can we collaborate and do this together. And, you know, one example of that is uh, we have a K-1 school, which is pretty unique, but K-1 isn't all of primary education. Pre-K-2 is really more primary education. And so when we look at the second graders and what the developmental needs are of students as they progress between those primary grades, uh, we really are talking about the need to have a K-2 school and more involvement with our primary our preschool uh, population and students. And so we're having discussions, and that wasn't a decision that I made. I started by meeting with each of the grade levels impacted and hearing their ideas, and now we're going through a year-long facilitated discussion to really see if this is what we want to do to try to best meet those developmental needs of our students. So it has a lot of impact. Yeah, it definitely does. And I think when when we approach it from a different angle and and really focus on the opportunities to reach kids in a in a way that most benefits them and not just doing things how we've always done them, that change takes courage, it takes effort and it takes determination, but it is really amazing when you see the fruits of that labor come through in in the kind of innovation that you're talking about. Yeah, and it's and it's a process for everybody. Change is not easy, as you mentioned, especially when you have people who are so dedicated and have their their whole life or their whole career here in Sitka. That was a good interview. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, and I hope that you take a minute to look at their budget process. Which there's a link to that at transformativeprinciple.org, and make sure you check that out. Next week, we'll continue our conversation with her about the League of Innovative Schools, which she is a part of, which sounds pretty cool. Transformative Principles is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, podcast for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.